What's going on, everybody? Welcome to E Inner Olympian. Inner Olympian. Inner Olympian podcast. You're rocking with the best. Everyone, it's Baladia Jamale. Hey, it's Kira. Everybody, Jared Curry here. Hey, everybody, it's Marissa Papa Constantino here. Hey, everyone, it's Misha Powell. Hey, I'm Pierce Lepage. Hey, guys, Alicia here. Hi, guys, this is Tia Devin. Hey, guys, my name is Khadija. Make sure you check out the Inner Olympian podcast. I want you to head over to the Inner Olympian podcast. Check out the Inner Olympian podcast. Check out the Inner Olympian podcast. And I want you guys to check out the Inner Olympian podcast. I want you all to do me a favor and go check out the Inner Olympian podcast. You won't want to miss it. You won't regret it. You gotta do it. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Inner Olympian Podcast, where the goal is to inspire, motivate, and help you exceed what you believe is possible for your life, business, and relationships by tapping into your inner Olympian. My name is Shago McIndey. I'm a two-time Canadian Olympian, and I'm your host. Hey, listen, I believe that you don't need to go to the Olympics to be an Olympian. I believe that being an Olympian comes down to the way that you think act and live and that everyone has potential to tap into their inner Olympian by changing their mindset, not only to better their own life, but the lives of those around them. This is episode 23. And hey, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show and thanks for listening. And of course, for those of you who have been listening for a while now, I want to give a big shout out to you. Thanks so much for the love and support. It means a lot and I appreciate you. As always, it's really amazing to see how much the podcast and the idea itself has grown and is growing, and I'm super grateful for the impact that it's starting to have, and I hope that it continues to grow um, for years and years to come, quite frankly. All right, on today's episode, I have a two-time Canadian Olympian, uh, Olympic bronze medalist, 2017 Legacy Award winner, 2017 recipient of the Athletes and Excellence Award, third fastest Canadian ever to 60 meters. Canadian record holder in the men's 4x100-meter relay, founder of the Faith Over Fear Foundation, awarded the key to the city of Yellowknife in 2016, Akeem Haynes. It's kind of weird because usually I do the name before all the, you know, kind of accolades. But this time I did the accolades before the name. You know, just felt like switching it up. But um, Akeem is also a published author, motivational speaker, and host of his podcast called unscripted so he's a busy guy um but it's um it's a real honor to have him on the show and i'm glad that we were able to kind of catch up as um you know former teammates and uh, you know now kind of um you know friends of course so yeah it was really good to catch up with him but this is a really uh great episode um akim is a motivational speaker like i said before so you can kind of imagine how this episode is going to go if you've been listening to the previous episodes and you kind of know how I kind of like to go deep on on some things and, you know, try to get new insights. And it's, so it's a really good match. Like me and Akeem kind of go back and forth on a lot of different topics. And Akeem kind of goes deep on a lot of things too. And I just kind of keep my mouth shut and let Akeem, you know, talk. Every now and then, you know, I say something as, you know, like I mentioned before, we have the good back and forth going. But, you know, it's a really kind of deep episode. A lot gets uncovered. A lot gets covered. You know, we really touch on some some pretty good topics and um, just overall, absolutely uh, incredible um, episode. So just prepare to be motivated, essentially, this entire episode. This is an entire episode of just motivation. <laughs> and um, so Akeem really brings it. And again, you know, super grateful to have him on the show and, and um, you know, really glad he was able to, to sit down and, and chat with your boy. So um, without further ado, 
Here's Akeem. What's going on, everybody? I am really fortunate to have uh, someone who I respect, a good teammate. We kind of had a couple of battles back and forth when we were a bit younger, but uh, it's a real honor to have Akeem Haynes with me today. Akeem, welcome to the show, man. It's a pleasure to be on here, man. I'm looking forward to it, man. We, we, you know, we, we've been on a couple of teams together before we've been on a couple of teams, you know, we had some good battles, especially, um, the one sticks out to me in, uh, PEI, PEI, man, junior, <laughs> junior nationals, <laughs> junior nationals. That was a, that was a big battle, man. Yeah, I remember a, that. It, it was a big mix of Alberta and just, you know, Ontario in general, but it was good, man. It was a good time. Yeah, I actually, I actually remember that race vividly. <laughs> but you know what? It was interesting, man. I was excited for it because, you know, you always hear about everybody out east, right? You don't really hear about the talent and the sprinters that we have out west. So during those major championships, we're the only time that I get to race you guys. And so, you know, you guys you know, on, on, on paper have some of the fastest times in any category. So I always just like making sure, man, that I get the opportunity to come out there and just to see where I'm at. And so yeah. that's what I really enjoyed about those championships. It definitely raised your awareness, but it, you know, it, it, it made you bring your A game. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. hundred ten percent. Me and Nakeem, we've known each other for a while now. And like, you know, we kind of mentioned had pretty good battles back and forth um, on the track and track and field. Um, just a r- real quick, I'll give you some information on Nakeem and let you know about Akeem and then let him kind of go from there. But Nakeem um, is a Canadian Olympian. Um, we were actually on the same Canadian team in 2016. You know, he's also a 2016 Rio Olympic bronze medalist. Currently, right now, he's a motivational speaker, two-time published author, host of his podcast called Unscripted. And um, we were kind of figuring out this earlier, but we weren't too sure. But he's also, um, for sure, in Alberta, age record holder for the indoor, for the 60 meters indoors. And I think top three in Canada when it comes to the, uh, the 60 meter indoors. So um, pretty impressive uh, resume when it comes to that and track and field and of course i mean numerous national um uh medals and and placements so yeah key man and it's great to have you man it's great to like kind of catch up especially with everything that's been going on like recently you know with um covid and and all that stuff but man yeah glad we were able to kind of find some time to kick it and, and chat together man definitely man it's it's like i said it's a pleasure you know uh i had you and the fellas on 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 my podcast and then just to see how your podcast has been growing and some of the people that you've had on and the direction that you've been going in, man, it's, it's good to see you, bro. I think more than ever right now, uh, positivity is needed as the light that sometimes in the world that can seem like it's dark, right? So it's one of those things, man, that whenever you have an opportunity to, to be a light, regardless of how many people are listening, how many people are following, uh, one person can be a spark that sparks another, and I think that's really what 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 each and each of us in this world um, is able to do, man. You know, in in our own way. So again, it's a pleasure to be on, man. I'm looking forward to the conversation. For those of you who are listening, if you haven't been able to kind of tell by now, but Kim is a motivational speaker, and um, <laughs> if you haven't heard him speak, he well, he does his job very well. One thing I think that is pretty interesting, Akeem, is kind of how you became or got around to becoming a motivational speaker. I know for a lot of athletes, you know, one of the things that we have the ability to do and, you know, to really speak to is that kind of inspiration aspect and motivational aspect. Being athletes and being people who have to, like, you know, 
essentially motivate and inspire ourselves to do what we have to do, but then also be able to use that same kind of energy and experience to turn around and then motivate and inspire others. So how did you, I guess, take it a bit further? Because a lot of us, we know we step into that space, but we don't necessarily carry it, you know, or go as far as kind of where you've taken it and where have you gone? So I guess really just kind of, you know, a little bit of your backstory. Like, how did you go from, you know, football, which is also interesting too, because you also used to play football, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did you go from football to track to now, you know, doing what you do today? Kind of take us through that, that story. Yeah, man. So, you know, for me, um, when I started playing sport, you know, I, I started playing soccer when I was 11 um, in Yellowknife when I first came to Canada. So originally I was born in Jamaica, you know, and, and, and I moved to Canada. Uh, when I was seven years old for a better life. And we went to Yellowknife first. And then we came to Calgary. Um, I started playing football in the, I want to say, yep, the eighth grade. But how I started the journey of speaking in general, man, I had always been a person who knew that there was something out there bigger for me than what sports could bring me. Um, I didn't know why I thought like that, but I did. So I've always been a guy who thought of purpose, right? I've always been a guy who, who has been deeply entrenched in perspective, right? I was always curious as why is it that one person can read one chapter in a book and they don't get the same thing, right? Like, why is it that um, you can give 10 people a recipe how to make chicken and the chicken will taste differently 10 different times? Like, why is that? So I'd always been a guy who was searching. And at 13, you know, I, I heard a voice. I'm a very faith-based guy, but at the time, I didn't know if that was God saying, you know what, um, I have something in store for you, but it's going to take time to figure out. And so what I realized now, what I realized at 19, 20 years old, um, I had been speaking since I was 20 years old. It didn't come to me in a way where a spotlight just said, yep, this is, this is what you're supposed to do. No, it came to me in different in different forms. I'd have people say, you know, Akeem, you're a good listener or you give good advice. And in my mind, I'm like, man, y'all just talking just to be nice. You know what I'm saying? But I kept hearing it enough times. And and for those listening right now, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're good at until somebody tells you, right? Mm. So I started taking that and I started, hmm, I wonder what this could be. So I started speaking at schools, right? You know, I started speaking at community centers and events and I started speaking at anywhere that would literally give me some time. But I actually did that in my community first because I wanted to make sure that my community saw someone who was able to go away to school, um, who has learning disabilities, who was in the community, training in the community. Uh, because I really believe if you want to make an impact and you want to make a change in the world, you first got to clean up what's around you. Make an impact in your community. Make an impact in your brother or your sister's life. You know, start with what you are in front of you. So I tried to give back in my community by, um, by speaking and sharing a little bit about, you know, my story. Now, it didn't, it didn't begin very well. I had a big stuttering problem growing up. You know, I grew up and saw some violent things that brought out some other things that blocked some other things. And one of those <laughs> things was I had a bad, I had a bad speech impediment. And I had to teach myself how to speak properly, how to slow down, how to construct and format a message. It's one thing to give someone motivation, but it's another thing to make it relatable so they can take what you're telling them and apply it to their lives, right? So now yeah. you got to add skill and structure behind it. You got to be able to 
um, bring to an emotional state with a story that touches somebody rather than just telling them, oh, hard work pays off. So I had to learn the ins and outs of speaking. But for four years straight, I didn't take any money. I didn't, I didn't really put stuff out there. I was just putting in the work, speaking, speaking, telling my story. I would speak to myself. I would speak to myself first before I went out and speak with others. I would say, you know what, on Monday, you got to work at the beginning of your speech. On Tuesday, you got to work in the middle. And then you got to work on different stories that pull and tell. So it's just all this formula that I was teaching myself um, behind closed doors that that really got me to, um, that created the foundation of speaking. I wanted to become better with words. I needed to enrich my vocabulary and make it more extensive. So I started reading, I started reading the dictionary, started reading a word a day. I started making sure that in my in my normal text message conversation, I'd be like, look, I'm about to throw some words at you just to practice and make sure that I'm using in the proper context. And then I had to make sure that I could say the word out loud so it didn't sound weird and my pronunciation was proper so people didn't look at me and say, yo, what are you talking about? So I literally was training myself to learn the English vernacular so I could put each word in context and use it in any room. So all these things I was kind of teaching myself while I was still running track and field. So when I wasn't running track and field, man, um, I was I was uh, I was speaking. Um, but I also knew that um, that you know <laughs> you have a certain select amount of years where your body will be able to to optimally perform at a high level. And so when I was in track and field, I was in track and field, still working on my speaking stuff and still trying to figure that out. But I was fully immersed in training every single day um, off the track, off the track, make sure my nutrition was right. I was sleeping decently. I was putting the right focus in um, anything that a person wants to do. I think the one question that I would pose to you is what are you willing to sacrifice in order to make it happen? Not necessarily, like, you know, you're going to have to work hard. You know, those things that people tell you all the time, but what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to sacrifice? Write down what you're willing to give up and what are you willing to sacrifice and what it's going to cost before you commit to doing something. Because most people get to a position and they forget or they don't put all the details needed to make it happen. And they say, well, this is too hard. Absolutely, it's going to be hard. But if you knew what it cost, you would know that you're going to have to go through it hard. Everything that I've, that I've been through in my life has kind of just put me on this path um, to figuring things out, but also trying to be the best that I could be at everything um, that, I, that I could be. It's really impressive to see you like working on, um, you know, like you said, the, the, the beginning, the middle. And the end, and those things are like so, you know, undervalued, kind of, kind of undervalued, overlooked type things, right? Like legit, just taking the time to almost work on your craft, like day in and day out, to make sure that it is the way that you see it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and another thing too, I think is really interesting is like I had somebody the other day ask me about desire. How do you create desire, or how do you like build desire, and anything like that? And my answer to them was. Well, number one, like you mentioned, desire has to come from you. Like you have to make the decision, number one, to do whatever it is that you want to do. And then number two, it's not necessarily about the thing. Desire is not about, okay, I got to 
work on my speech. Like you don't necessarily, you don't desire to work on your speech. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that's not, that's not, that's not where the motivation, that's not where the fire comes from, right? No, the desire is like in who you want to become, right? And so that then sparks like the energy and the drive now to do those things or figure out what you have to do and then commit to doing it. So I thought that was really interesting because as what you wanted to do and become kind of changed, you started to like put in the work to do that, right? And then those things like working on your craft in this way, right? Training wise as well. So that was really interesting. Where does that come from for you? You know, I mean, you're you gonna answer and we were like, where does that kind of come from for you? The desire for me, it comes down to two things, man. I think it came one, how I grew up, how I was raised. Most people don't know that that you know that I was homeless in stages of my life, right? You know that I grew up around violence and grew up on all these different things um, that no kid of seven, eight years old should be able to see. I've probably seen more things in my life than people who are in their sixties have ever seen. And my desire was not to be necessarily a victim of that and dwell in that. But how can I take what I've been through to make the world a better place in any platform that God provides me? I had no intention to speak. I remember in high school, bro, I would always come in high school and I'd walk in class late. And what happens when you walk in class late? When you walk in class late, everybody is looking for somebody to look at. Yeah. And, and it just seems like everybody was probably doing their work until that door twisted and then all of a sudden that door is extra <laughs> creaky and you're like yo this was the store was greased up yesterday right like what is this coming from and i would just be like oh man I, I i just hated i hated being looked at i hated being stared at man I'm, I'm a guy who comes in and you know i like to just do my own thing and kind of sit in the back and, and, and you know just observe and just to enjoy what's being done and so um god puts a purpose in all of us if you focus too much on what the purpose is providing rather than what you're able to change and the character that you're building, for example, most people want to get most people want to get rich and have all this money, not necessarily to change the world, but to change their lives, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But when you know that there is so many people in the world that's going hungry, when you know that there's so many things in the world that's happening, when you have certain um, um, assets and certain ways to help and make the world a better place, your desire should change if you know that we are here to make the world a better place in some form. And so the desire to make the world a better place in a way that's authentic to myself, man, you know, that's where speaking comes from. That's where sharing the message comes from. Um, that's where getting up in, in, in front of people comes from. That's where learning how to uh, <laughs> use my speech and, and controlling my tone. It's the desire to get up at a certain time. It's the desire to fill a purpose that God put in me. It's the desire to make sure I'm working out to be fit. It's the desire to continue educating myself by reading and being in conversations that that are new to me. It's the desire to make sure that I'm treating people the proper ways, the desire to make sure that I'm also treating people well, but not allowing them to walk over me. It's the desire to be grateful because the scripture says, be faithful over a few before I make you ruler of many. So it's the desire to make sure that I'm not here being ungrateful, that I'm using every single skill that is in me and applying it that's authentic to myself and giving that to the world to make you know, just to make an impact 
in the world in some way. So I think the desire is just a byproduct of our purpose, but we have to search for our purpose in order so we can have a desire that is open enough to see what avenues that we could add value to the world and to the stages that we brought in. So for me, man, um, the, the, the desire to make myself better as a whole and to make everyone around me better as well too. Um, but I think a strong enough desire comes from within and it comes from purpose. It's not from external things um, because um, if you are only operating in pursuing external things, at some point, life is going to hit you with something that is so strong and so powerful that your external motivation is not going to help you get through it. Nope. But when something is internal, man, that's from the heart, that's from the soul. Yeah. And when something is from the soul, you can't deny that. You mentioned something really interesting there. And you said desire is like a byproduct of purpose. And one thing that's really interesting is a lot of the things that we want or a lot of the things that you know we try to, to do, a lot of them are kind of byproducts of other things. We do one thing, right? You're a diligent and, and, and committed and hardworking as a byproduct of that. Certain things, certain opportunities open up for you, right? So you can't necessarily chase the opportunities to work on what creates you know the opportunities right they're like almost like chemical reactions and so like when you mentioned that it really like it sparked something in me because then i want to ask you like okay how then does somebody have a better sense of what that purpose might be to help spark that desire what would be like your method of helping somebody else to, to figure out their own purpose to, to I guess, yeah to spark that desire yeah, man. Uh, you know, I, I, I tell a lot of young guys that I mentor, right? I said, you know, a person that finds a purpose in life is a dangerous person. When a person is trying to find their purpose, and for those listening, your purpose and your gift go hand in hand, right? But how do you find your gift? Well, um, your gift is that one thing that you do that comes to you so naturally, so effortlessly that you could do on the spot. You know what I'm saying? Like some people, man, some people can, can, can sing so beautifully and so wonderfully and like whoa you make that look effortlessly some people can write a page and the 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 what they wrote paints such a beautiful picture You're like well i could kind of see myself in your story some people have a way with math with numbers and you're like yo how did you get six times seven times 92 times 76 so quickly <laughs> right and it's like and it's like and the answer would be oh i don't know i just it just comes easy to me, right? That, 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 that is your gift. For me, words come easy for me. I've always, been a, I've always been a person who could articulate words at the drop of a hat. I could always put certain things together. I, it, it just comes easy to me. And when you're thinking of your, of, your, of your purpose, what does your gift look like? What is the thing that comes so effortlessly to you that you could do in your sleep? But I think it's, I think we got to be careful because some people lose their gift and don't take it seriously because it doesn't look like everybody else's, right? Your gift may look differently from other people. And what you may say, oh man, that's not a big deal. Oh no, so it, it is a big deal. You're just not looking at it as so, hmm. right? You know, scripture says uh, your gift will make room for you, right? There was, uh, there was a story. You ever heard of the story? Of uh, of a woman called Marie Callender. I I'm not sure. It sounds familiar. Maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Um, um, <laughs> Tell the <I'm>, story. <laughs> I'm sh I'm sure. I'm sure you will because when I explain it, you're gonna you're gonna be like, oh, I probably seen that. 
So Maria Callender, man, so her story goes a long, long time ago. You know, she was working at this diner. And this diner used to make like, you know, burgers and fries. Burgers and fries, right? But, you know, <laughs> nothing, nothing was really happening, right? Like some things happened and the diner was kind of going, kind of losing a lot of money and it, and it, and it just wasn't about to be profitable anymore. And Marie says, you know what, I think I have an idea that, that, that may be able to help. And at this point, right, the owner's desperate, right? He's like, man, whatever, like something. So she went home and she baked the pie. And she brought the pie to the diner. And within an hour, the pie's gone. The pie's gone in an hour. And people are coming back and they're asking, no, do you guys have any more of that pie? And he was like, no. So he goes to her and he was like, like, do you think we can make some more pies? He says, yeah, of course, I could, I could make some more pie. And so she comes back and she makes three pies and she brings the three pies to the diner. And in two hours, it's sold out. And she goes back from three and she goes back and she makes 10. That's sold out in three hours. She goes back and she makes. And because she had made these pies, it saved this company. So now what she did, she was like, man, I'm not about to go work for this. I can just go make my pies. Hmm. And. If you go into convenience stores, or not convenience stores, but grocery stores, you will see Marie Callender pies, especially in America, all over the frozen department stores because she baked pies. She had been baking pies since she was a little girl. She had been watching her mom and her grandmother make this pies. And she got this gift of making pies because it came effortlessly. People were like, so. What, what were like? Do you mind writing down the initial like ingredients? And she looked at them and she said, "I don't, I don't understand." They're like, you know, like the ingredients. She was like, "Oh no, I don't, I don't, I don't write stuff down. It's in my head. It, 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 it's easy to me, right?" That was her gift. She had a gift of you know making pies. Pies brought a feeling. Pies made a difference. And from making that simple pie, something that you probably don't even think. Um, is hard to do or something that probably isn't really a big deal she made pies and now you can't go into a single grocery store without seeing her face on those pies and it started because she got the gift of making pies and that gift brought her to her purpose and her purpose in this world was to help provide service and to help add value and give a feeling that allows people when they get a slice of that pie, they say, man, I had a long day today, but hey, this pie, <laughs> nobody makes a pie like Marie Callender. It's the feeling that your gift and your purpose go hand in hand that will provide for the world. That is really interesting because some we do, I think a lot of us do overlook kind of what we may have or, you know, I think be curious about and think it's nothing because to somebody else outside, outside being like maybe in the society, family, and that kind of framework or that fabric or what may have you in that environment is not looked upon as like something that's deemed as worthy, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. But if just given the right amount of time and, you know, nourishment and just attention, it actually validates itself in a way instead of getting validation from the outside world because you're taking the time like you said, to kind of know, to just to work on it and, and make it better and actually kind of put it out there. And also, like, everything takes, take, takes time for it to cultivate and come together, right? It's like telling someone, 
hard work pays off, right? Or I could see this for you. Just because you tell somebody something one time doesn't mean they believe in you. But it's creating the habit of that saying each and every single day until you start to believe it. You know, whenever I think about, you know, like, like track and I think about even speaking, right? Like the difference between the two, man, is in sports, you can physically work yourself and see results. You know that if you bench press this certain amount of number, this is what's going to happen to your body. And you know, if you are healthy enough and you can train consistently, then, you know, results will come. Mm-hmm. But when you're making a transition from an entrepreneurial stance, you got to use your mind a lot more, right? It's not just the physical work. That's, that, that's part of it. But you also got to, got to add a business sense of it. You know, well, if I'm going to provide this service, how much should I charge for this service? Am I going with my worth or am I belittling myself here? Then you got to go to the acceleration of what, what am I really worth at this time right now in my life with this field? Right. You know, I think sometimes, you know, um, I remember uh, uh, when I first came out and started speaking like full time, you know, I didn't really know what to charge, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I have been speaking since I was 20, but I didn't start doing it uh, full time, full time until I want to say 2000, 2016, 2016. I didn't really know what to charge. Right. And so. It took me some time to learn the business standpoint of it, right? And if there are some entrepreneurs listening to this and, 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 and you're maybe trying to figure some things out, you know, maybe you are at that point where you're gifted and it's just helping you earn some income or you're trying to figure some things out in the market, you know, don't think of what to charge um, with just, say, a degree or something like that. Think about how much time it took you to learn the skill that you learn and how much you invested in learning that skill. Because people are paying for your leadership advice or your fashion advice or your nutrition advice or your physical advice based on how much years you took into learning that. So don't feel bad if you charge a certain price that you don't know that they will be able to, or they may say, man, you're charging charging that a lot like why are you doing that no 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 you are charging them or putting a price on how much effort and how much sacrifices that it took you to learn what you're able to learn right and so it's 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 learning all these different things and and putting all these things together um, and just trying to navigate your worth and knowing how much and whatever it is that you think is valuable to you it's a balancing act, man. It takes it takes a long while to put a piece of, a piece of the puzzle together for anything. Hmm. How do you figure out like, or how does someone figure out what they're worth? Because I think that's really important. I don't think a lot of people know necessarily what they're worth, or I think a lot of people undervalue themselves too. So, what would you say to somebody to help them figure out their worth? Yeah, yeah, man. My uh, <laughs> my my high school coach and one of my good friends and mentors to this day, man. He used to say to me in track. He used to say, "Yo, Kim." track and football he used to say you know man you're gonna be your worst at your first race and you're gonna be your best at your best race and i was like that's interesting (laughs) because what if i start out hot and i finish slow you know i was saying like what what does that happen Hmm. and so when it comes to knowing your worth within yourself you know first and foremost like i want to let you know that like you're here for a purpose and a reason like god did not make a mistake on creating you that 
right there alone for me has always been encouragement and it should be encouragement for you too like you're not here by fluke there is a purpose as to why you're here and it is not a fluke that you are in the position that you're in and when you're thinking about trying to find your worth i think it's very important to spend time to figure out what makes you tick what makes you what makes you I don't want to say happy because happiness is a lifelong pursuit. I think there are moments when we're happy and we aspire to be happy all the time, but that's not always the case. However, we can be joyful every single day. What brings you joy? What excites you? Not outside, but what inside makes you say, you know what? I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. every single day because this thing right here excites me. Where does your joy come from? Is your joy coming from external things or is it coming from something within? Are you envious when you go on social media and you see things and you say, man, I don't know how this person has that. Like, where does your joy, excitement, everything come from? And you need to make sure that you know yourself enough to know your triggers, right? When I think about worth, I think about knowing yourself inside and out. And that's going to take some time because it's going to make you unravel a lot of things within yourself within your insecurities, within the things that frustrates you, that makes you upset. And everybody's different. Everybody's different with different things. One of the things that that I had to unravel myself is, man, you know, it's much different for me. When I was homeless, man, one of the hardest transitions about that was trying to build up the confidence in myself to know that I was here to achieve great things, that I believed that I was worthy of having good times, that I believed that I was worthy of having success in some areas. And I had to, and this is the one thing that I do to this day, and I would encourage those listening as well too, you have to be careful of what you say to yourself behind closed doors. You have to be careful of what you think about yourself behind closed doors, because whatever you think and say to yourself behind closed doors, that is what's going to be magnified in person. Mm-hmm. I'm very careful of what I say to myself. You know what I may say, you know, Akeem? <laughs> I might say, you know, Akeem, man, you just got a fresh cut, man. You got a fresh cut. You know what I'm saying? There's a, everybody knows, especially guys and girls know, your confidence is through the roof when you get a fresh cut. It doesn't matter what it is. And so it's saying, you know, Akeem, um, you know, you... Uh, you said some things today uh, that I didn't like when you said, like, why are you going to the places that hurt you? You know, someone says you weren't fast enough. Why are you going back to the times when you were homeless? Like, what's going on here? And so it made me think about unraveling all these different things, man. And in order to figure out who you are, you got to unravel all the things that tried to break you. Because once you figure out what almost broke you, you realize two things. I'm stronger than I think. And now I can start to pick the pieces up and mend it back together. Right, because at the end of the day, we got to take ourselves with us wherever that we go, wherever you are, there you go. So uh, for the first part, I definitely say, man, unravel everything about you, the person, and go deep and try to figure out um, yourself inside and out. Because once you take the time to do that, you will be able to be your authentic self in any room that you go into. Um, the second part, when it comes to knowing your worth in business, man. Um, It takes some time to figure out because, especially in the speaking field, I know for me, when I was first trying to figure out, you know, prices, I would look at the market, right? I would say, you know, what's everybody else charging for 
like a 20 minute speech or a 25 minute presentation, 30 minutes. And I would look at how much they charge. And then I would look at, you know, some of their intangible things. You know, did this person write a book? Uh, did this person, um, you know, got a degree in this? And I started to say, okay, well, you know, um, they didn't write a book, but I wrote a book. So maybe that's an extra $100 or $200 on top of it because I have experience here. And then I would go in, oh man, I didn't even think about the track stuff. Well, I have, um, I'm a two-time Olympian. I got a medal. So I know a thing or two about discipline and understanding high performance and all these different things. So I would just break it down like that. And then I would say, you know what? This is my price, right? This is my price. Um, let's see if people will pay me at my price. People will always pay you what you think you're worth. That's why it's important to be honest with yourself about what you think your product and your business is worth, right? And, 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 and that comes with experience, right? You know, if you had 13 years in the game, you know what I'm saying? Then you need to know you got some, you got some headway in the game. And so, man, I had to, uh, I had to figure out all these different things. And, and, and then I had to see, <laughs> I had to see, you know, who, who wasn't going to pay my price and who would. And then I had to figure out, okay, Kim, you can't speak about everything, but what are the core things that you can speak about here? Even though I believe I can speak about many things, you can almost bet that whatever engagement that Akeem is at, I'm talking about perseverance and resiliency, right? I'm giving mental strategies on how to make that happen. Perseverance and resiliency, because that's my message. Yeah, I can talk about uh, coming from a single parent uh, household. I can talk about many different things. But my story has been perseverance and resiliency. So all my track stories, you're going to talk about all the times that I had to persevere. And so it's, it's figuring out all of these different things that come together. But it's knowing your worth, knowing your experiences, knowing what value you have to offer to the market, and making sure that whatever price that you put down, um, you have to stay stern with that. Now, there are some times where, where you, know, you can make an exception. And you should make an exception in different things if, if it's true to you. But know that whatever price that you put out there and whatever price that you think you're worth, that's what's going to be paid, right? And so you got to be confident and trust that and know that if you're charging $1,500 for a consultation call, um, then I'm expecting you to bring your A game when mm -hmm. I'm giving you and talking about something. Because if you're charging that price and you aren't worth that price, oh, you'll know. Like don't like don't be out here trying to <laughs> trying to trying to lowball people and 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 charge a price that you know you're not worth it. So you got to be honest with yourself. That's why for four years I didn't take any money because I was still trying to learn. But then when I found myself on stage with Richard Branson, I was like, you know what? I think I may be able to do this here. But my initial start of anything didn't start with making money. It started working with adding purpose and adding value to what I believe God put me on here to do. And so, man, when you're thinking about your worth, I know for me, it started in my faith and my relationship with, uh, with God and the word that made me say, you know, Akeem, this is what I gave you to do. Go out and do this and make it and, 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 and figure out how to operate it in a sustainable way, man. So. You know, um, it's the reason why it's called self-worth because it comes from self. That's, that's so true. And, it, and it's so like, there, this is really good story I, I heard. And maybe you've heard it too. But this, this story of like this, um, this old grandpa 
Oh, but it's like this old, <laughs> anyway, this old this older gentleman, this older gentleman who was like about to pass away and calls in like his, his daughter or granddaughter. Right? And and one of the things that he's gonna like pass off to to her is like this car. So he's like, Okay, I want you to take the car and you know, go to this mechanic or whatever person and so the daughter takes the car to the mechanic and and then comes back. And the old gentleman was like, how much did the guy say it was worth? And she's like, oh, like, like a couple hundred bucks, but, you know, if you exchange for some parts or whatever, and then, you know, you might be able to do something with it. She's like, okay, take it to, you know, this other person. So then she takes it to, like, this other person, you know, comes back and he's like, okay, well, what did he say about, you know, this, the car? And she's like, well, it can be, like, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever, a little bit more. I can get a little bit more for it than I can with the mechanic. He's like, okay, we'll take it to, like, this third person, whatever, going to take to the third person, and comes back, and he's like, "What? What did the What did the third person say?" And she's like, "Like the car is worth like you know like X millions of dollars or something like that because it's like it's an antique nineteen whatever whatever type of car, right?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Yeah." So two, he's like, "I want you to learn two things." I think I think there's two things in the story, but the only thing I remember was the first one. <laughs> um, but it was like you know like just because someone says or values you at a certain um like price, whatever, that doesn't mean that's what you are. If you know yourself, then you'll also be able to recognize when somebody values you at, at the same level, right? And so that's what, as you're talking, that's like the story that came to mind. I probably butchered that story so bad, so I'm so sorry for anybody <laughs> listening or knows the story. But it's yeah, it's just good. something, you know, like someone heard that's like, oh, that's a terrible, like terrible example. And I'm like, ah, well, I'm sorry. But um, you're right. Like you really have to know yourself because like you said, people will pay you what you think you're worth. Not everybody mm-hmm. will. People will, like people will pay you what you think you're worth. And if you don't know that inherently, right, you'll go to somebody. The reason why I brought up the story, because you'll go to like, you know, that first car mechanic and they will lowball you and exchange you for some parts. Not because, not because they know what they're doing, but because you don't know who you are. Right? So if you don't know what you're worth and you don't know who you are, you're going to go to them and totally ruin yourself. But if you know yeah. who you are, you'll be able to go somewhere and be able to get the value at which you are valued. I thought that was really interesting and, and, and it's a really good point. And then the second thing I wanted to bring up, and I, I think I want you to talk more to this too, is just like the importance of um, just the importance of positive thinking and positive self-talk, right? And how that kind of brings about uh, success and the confidence that you want. And this is like kind of, it, it's talked about, I, I think people don't value it as much as they, as they should or they do, but I want you to talk about that because that is so important. Like I know for myself, there's been times where like, I've turned from someone who has been very critical in terms of like that positive side of someone who like, you know, you got to do better. You got to work harder to like, there's an edge, right? There's a certain edge where it goes from positive to like absolutely destructive. And mm. I know I've, I've personally have crossed that line and seen the results of that destructive self-talk and that destructive self-thinking. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. And I've also seen the positive side of it too. Right. And, but, I I totally agree with you in terms of speaking to yourself and what you're thinking to yourself behind closed doors is so important. So talk talk a bit more to that. Yeah, man. I think for me, um, especially for those listening to this, man, um, I am probably one of the few, if not the only speaker who will endorse a one or two day pity party. Right. And the reason why I say that, man, is because, look, you got to feel what you feel. You know what I'm saying? Like, go through what you're going through. If you need if you need some ice cream when things are going, you know, when when you just got some 
some bad news, maybe you failed a test or something happened. Like, yo, take that ice cream, take a pint of ice cream, hit the couch, you know what I'm saying? Watch some Grey's Anatomy, do whatever you got to do and take your time. But I'm also a firm believer that after a day or two, you got to pick yourself up, um, depending on the level of severity of what the news was. But I also think too, man, you got to tell yourself something enough times until you start to believe it in your heart it's easy for people to just say one thing one time and then expect it to be like, Oh man, that was the life changing thing that I needed. No, no, no. Like you got to know, you got to say it over and over and over and over and over again until you start to believe until your mind starts to believe If your mind and your heart believe it, your body will follow. But if you don't have those two in sync, your body is going to not do what you want it to do. A big breakthrough in my track and field career, man, before before I ran 651 and, and then came outdoors and ran, you know, 10 O's and 10 1. Um, and I think you're like this too. I had been so guilty of races where I would go in and I would have so expectations and I would take it so serious that if I didn't do well or didn't hit my expectations, I would sabotage myself. And I would be like, man, that was terrible, man. You came here and you wasted you wasted this trip. You wasted this whole trip, and now you didn't do what you're supposed to do, and now something else isn't it. And I would be like, man, nothing good happened in this race, not a single thing good. And I remember I was at the University of Alabama, man, and, and I finished a race where my teammate DeAndre ran like 10.01, and I ran like 10, 10.18, 10.16. And I remember crossing the line, and I was like, yo, this guy just ran 10.01. And like we trained together, you know, why was he running 10.01 and I was running this time? And then I realized that, holy crap, I was sabotaging myself by comparing already because we're two different body types. Mm. And so I was walking back and I said, okay, Akeem, um, let's do something different. Like what good came from this race? Well, you know, I, I had a strong 40 meters and my transition was good once I got up, but you know, I was, I didn't, I didn't finish the race, right? So I really only ran 60 meters of 100 meters. And I said, okay, so you had a good start. Your transition was good. Okay, let's focus there. Well, what else happened? Well, I really liked my posture, right? Like, like my form didn't break. I wasn't like, it was good in the sense that I was able to hold that when I was tired. Okay, wow. You found two things here. And that was a season's best, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a season. It was a season's best. So I started training myself in every race to find the good, because if you train your mind to find the good in the negative, you will be so focused on the good, you can take that constructive criticism and apply it to your next training session. So you come into your next training session already in a positive state of mind because you found the good, even when your expectations may not have been hit. And so that helped me. Um, because I stopped sabotaging my, my myself by saying nothing good came from the race to finding the good. And then I was just like, man, you know, I was kind of already doing it in different stages away from the track, but not to the same extent. So I became more intentional with, you know, okay, Kim, you wanted to achieve this by May. Um, you know, you wanted to bring your grades up and you wanted, you know, you wanted to get out in the community a little bit more. Did you do those things? Uh, well, here and there, you know, example, um, when I wrote my first book, um, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know anybody that wrote a book. 
I didn't have anybody in my family that wrote a book. I didn't have any relationship with somebody who wrote a book, but I'd wanted to write a book. But I knew that the one thing I had to do was I had to write. <laughs> the one thing that you got to do right. you want to write a book. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm going to make it a habit that um, I'm going to write every single day, even if it's for 67 pages in a day, or if it's just three sentences or a paragraph or a word. I'm going to write each and every single day. And that's what I did. You know, if I had a couple minutes before class, I would write. You know, if we're taking the, if I'm taking the uh, uh, the bus to campus, I would write. If we're taking the bus to a track meet, I would write. If we're on the plane, I would write. And when I looked up and I said, I wonder how many pages I have here, I started to reflect and I started to see, Akeem, you, you have the you had the book a month ago because you've been writing all of these different things every single day, every single day, every single day, every single day. And I started to reflect and to think about, wow, I just put one thing into action until it became a habit, until I believed that I could do it. Once I realized that I had 185 pages, I said, oh, I can write a book <laughs> because I did it. I didn't know but I did the initial foundation of it. And to me, you got to talk to yourself and say these things until your actions and your words go hand in hand and they are aligned with the direction that you're trying to go. I believed I could be an author. I knew that I could be an author. I strongly felt compelled to be an author, even when I didn't know what that process looked like. I believed it. And I believed it enough to let my actions show by writing every single day, even if I couldn't see the final product. And so in self-talk, man, it's saying the same thing over and over again, being aware of what you're saying to yourself. There are some things that you may need to change because old habits are hard to die. We have been wired to compare first, to kind of think negatively first, think of the worst things that can happen before we think of the good. But we got to counter, refocus, restructure, realign, and reassess what we are truly saying to ourselves in the negative states that we sometimes find ourselves in. Just like how there's good habits, bro, there's bad habits as, as well, too. Yeah. This is, a, this is a pattern for those of you who are listening. It goes, it goes thoughts, you know, thoughts become your words, words become your actions, your actions become your outcome. Right. And so like, if you're listening to what he, he, he was just saying earlier, right. In terms of the whole, like speaking to yourself, right. It, he was saying certain things to himself that then started to become, you know, um, words and he started to kind of say it out loud. And then it just became an action. And then in the action is being consistent in that action. And it's weird. This is a really interesting thing to that ties in. It's like, you're really, you start to become consistent in your actions because your thoughts start to become consistent. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's consistently yeah. thinking about what you want to do. And then as the result of the pattern that I just spoke about earlier, then your actions start to become more consistent as well. But I think one thing that's really important in all of that is being intentional about that action. Right. And you and I think one thing that was really impressive that you were talking about is like you were really intentional in that. And like, you know, if I have the time, this is what I'm going to do. Right. And that intention is what kind of helps your your thoughts and your actions to align because you're gonna have the thoughts right and you're gonna have the actions but the inconsistency of the action is bridged through the intention of doing the action even when it's tough absolutely 
Yeah. Even going back to the story of the book, man, the backstory behind that was I was, man, I was, I was battling a lot of injuries that year, bro. Like, man, my hamstring just was not, <laughs> was not cooperating with me at all. And I was having these injuries and then I had a sports hernia all in one. And then, you know, things in school wasn't going the best because, you know, I, I, I came from a junior college um, and then you go to the University of Alabama Junior College and probably, man, Barty probably had maybe like, I don't know, 13, 1500 kids. And then you go to the University of Alabama who has almost 45, 50,000 kids. And so the classroom sizes are bigger. You don't have to go to class. You don't have to go to class. Even if you go to class, <laughs> teacher probably doesn't know that you're there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then, you know, you got to travel for SECs. SEC starts on Thursday, but you're leaving Saturday, Sunday, which means you're missing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of school. And sometimes your teachers already think you're privileged and they may say, you know what, you have to write this test on Wednesday with the class. I don't care where you are. And you're like, ma'am, how can I write this test when if I don't perform well at these championships, like my scholarship going to be gone and then I won't be able to be in school anyway. You know, so it's like all these different things. And so I was facing a lot of things like injuries, you know, my GPA was falling. Um, I had a few people pass away back home that I couldn't go home for. And so I, I needed an outlet to be able to put my thoughts and my words into something that was encouraging and positive. And so that's why I was very intentional with writing every single day because of what was happening else around me. And so um, it's, it's, it's the intention of using certain pain and certain circumstances and using and being intentional with how you're harnessing what you're feeling and what you're going through. Right. Because when something bad has happened, whether we realize it or not, we can be intentional with doing things we probably shouldn't be doing. It's going to be conducive to us uh, as a person, personal development wise. And so, man, you know, I just think we got to be extremely uh, cautious enough and be conscious enough uh, to know that uh, we got to have a reason as to why we're doing certain things. I'm not saying you can't be spontaneous. I'm a spontaneous guy at times. But with things that really matter to you, you got to be intentional with the direction you want to go in. And I always have the saying, you know, um, always forward. You know what I'm saying? And always forward doesn't mean you don't get set back. It just means you find a way to continue moving and pressing forward each time that you do fall. That's good. Always forward doesn't mean you don't get set back. It's true. Always forward, man. Always forward. Yeah. Like track, right? If the gun if the gun if the gun goes and you aren't going forward, you know, you're gonna get slapped. <laughs> you're gonna get yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get slapped. It's a wrap. <laughs> it's a wrap. Uh, that's true. Dang. Um, I think I wanna talk on a little bit on the lighter side and kind of talk about your Olympic experience. Um like me, you know, you're you're a two time Olympian and you hit two Olympic games. So um, I just kind of want to want you to kind of speak to that experience of what it was like to go to the Olympics the first time. And then, you know, the second time obviously was the time that we got the medal. So can yeah. you kind of walk us through those two experiences? First London 2012, and then, you know, obviously then going to, to Rio 2016 and what, and what that was like. Yeah, man. So in 2012, man, um, you know, I was in, I was in junior college, man. And, I was at Barney Community College. And I remember coming in that year because the last year before, I came into that year hurt. 
And I ended up running well towards the end of the season. Like I got like a little, a little PB, but nothing crazy. Mm. But the next year, I said, I just remember I said out to my coach Nigel Bigby, I said, Coach, I have to run fast this year. And you know, sometimes when you tell your coach that, they're like, Oh man, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's the point. And I was like, No, coach, like the only thing you understand, like I have to run fast this year. I have to get a scholarship. I didn't even really think about the Olympics, Olympics, honestly. Hmm. I just knew I had to run fast so I could get myself a scholarship. And so that year, it was, it was good, man, because, you know, uh, coach, coach Bigby kind of allowed me to dictate my schedule that year. You know, he would say, you know, um, these are the meets that I need you to run both the one and the two and the relay. Um, but these are also some meets that we can actually dial back and allow you some time to rest. And I really appreciated that because, you know, sometimes in college, man, sometimes you're, the plan is the plan. Your coach is <laughs> the plan. Yeah. <laughs> the plan is the plan. And so I was very grateful for that. And, and, and that, uh, that really helped my season because, um, you know, I opened up 2061 in the two. Um, I don't really run. I didn't run, didn't really run many twos like that, and I was like, "Wow, you know, this is it's a nice little time here." And then I started to, um, you know, develop some confidence. And then I ran like ten forty open up, and then I ran ten thirty five. They were both wind dated, so I was just like, "Man, I'm running these these wind dated times." I'm like, "Man, I'm probably even though I feel fast, you know, uh, it's still wind dated, right?" Like I ran like ten thirty five. With like a 3.7 win, and I'm just like, oh man, I'm in like 10.5 shape. I'm like, oh, what's going on? That's not gonna cut it. And then you know, the following week, I ran 10.27, and I was like, okay, okay, now I'm heading into the direction. So going into trials, man, what most people don't know, man, about the 2012 Olympic trials was I almost didn't make the final, bro. <laughs> I almost didn't make that final of the hundred for whatever reason. When I got home, I raced a week after I got home and I started cramping in my calf. Oh, really? I don't know. I don't know what it was, but every race that I'm at home, even past this date, I would always develop this cramping in my, in my calf. I didn't understand it to this day. Maybe it was the, maybe it was the elevation of the air. The air was, just, I don't know, but I was hobbling the last 30 meters of that race. And I was just like, Oh man, I made the final, but I was like, Oh, it was terrible. So for the next two and a half hours, I went with my um, massage therapist and kind of my therapist, and he just worked on me, bro, for an hour and a half. <laughs> for an hour and a half, he did. Just, you like that sometimes, you know? <laughs> oh man, I was like, I was stressed. I was like, this is this is stupid. Out of all the time it happened now, so for an hour and a half straight, I'm talking about. I didn't say a word. He was just working on me for an hour and a half straight. And then I came back and I did a blowout stride and I was like, yo, I'm feeling, I'm feeling all right. And then I went and um, um, I think I finished like fifth. I don't really remember. Fifth, fifth or sixth. I finished top six in the hundred. And, um, you know, I think, I think, I think when you make the initial team, you're excited. You're excited about the opportunity of what can be. You're excited at the fact that you're going to be competing with the best in the world. You're excited because you get this, this, this this 
this title that nobody can take away from you, you mm-hmm. will be in this prestigious category of being Olympian. But to be honest, I didn't even think about that. I really didn't even think about that because I still didn't really know what any of that meant, you know. And 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 even now to this day, you know, we've we've, we've gotten to two Olympic games and we got the medal. But I guarantee you, we will not think about the medal and think about and really appreciate these experiences until we're in our 50s, 60s, sharing the stories and thinking about, wow, you know, that was kind of cool that we're able to accomplish that because we're always in the process of doing more, figuring things out. How can we better ourselves? So the first Olympic Games for me when I got there, man, it was just a good experience, you know. Um, Obviously, I didn't get to run. But it was still good to see how these high-performing athletes operate um, on this stage. And you get to see how people function, man, and, 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 and what it's like to be amongst the best. Not only the best in track and field, but you have the basketball guys there. You have tennis there. You have gymnastics there. You have every sport that you've seen on TV. You have them right there if they're eligible and they have the Olympic Games Mm -hmm. uh, in their field. And so for me, the first one was the experience. And the one in 2016, man, um, like we talked about on my podcast, uh, it was different, bro, because now we've been there before, right? And so when you've been in a position before, look, you got to treat it differently, right? Like you can't be going in there, oh, I'm really excited about the experience. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, yeah, that's, you get that. But when you, yeah, <laughs> but when you find yourself in a room that you've already been, it's time to expect that you belong there and you're mm-hmm. not there and you're not there just to be there. So I think individually, we all knew that the stakes were higher this game this time around. And it showed because I don't know if you I don't know if you really think about it, but every single person ran a personal best that year a couple of times before we even got to the trial. Right. And we had the fastest team on paper, uh, period, right? But even when you think about Canadian sprinters at that time, man, our group, the sprinters, bro, at that time, man, we, I, <laughs> the slowest person was running 10-1. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah. so that, that, that gives you a lot more option, but also raises the stakes of things, right? You know, when I was coming up, I'd hear, oh, man, Canadian sprinter and sprinting hasn't been alive since Donovan and Rooney days. And I was like, well, all it does is take a little time. And so the difference between the two, man, was in 2012, I was there for the experience and I was happy to be there. In 2016, I knew that I came there to do the job and Mm. to make sure that I didn't leave there without giving everything that I had in order to complete that job. Yeah. And so that was honestly the two difference, man. Um, you know, I'm 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 not a person who really gets blown away by by too many things. So those games for me, um, I just was hey man, we're there for we're there to do a job, man. Let's let's just go out here and do it. Um and so that was the that was the two difference for me, man. I, I can kinda of relate. Like the first one, I mean I think part of the reason why we're kind of able to appreciate it more because we didn't end up running, right? So you were you were able <laughs> yeah. to, you know what I mean? So yeah. we, we were able to actually just kind of like be like, these are the Olympic Games, like for real, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's that. But then the second time was like, all right, cool. Like I've been here once, it's cute. I've seen all the sites, I've been on all the rides, you know, yeah, it's fun. I already, I already did that, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm here to do what I got to do, but I know that I'm here to do. 
So yep. the attitude totally changes when you've been in a room before. Yeah, man, it, it it should, right? Because you've gained that experience before, and then now it's time to now it's time to allow your experiences to show, right? Every single thing that we go through is an experience, right? It's a it it provides a different perspective. And if you aren't learning from your experiences, then you can't give the perspective that's needed to accomplish what you're in that room to do. Hmm. You know, we can be like, we're all relatable in some ways, in certain ways. Yeah. And when we're always seeking to better ourselves, man, we find more things to, to, to discuss and to break down. And, you know, I've, I've just been fortunate. Now, I've been through so many different experiences in my life. Like, there's probably, you know, there's probably nothing that I haven't dealt with apart from, like, childbirth, uh, the loss of a child, and, you know, being in prison. You know, I've, I've lived some, some things, and I think it's, I've always said this, man, it, it's not what happens to you. It's what you choose to do next beyond the pain, beyond what almost broke you beyond the disappointments, beyond whatever. You can leave that blank and you can fill in beyond and put whatever it is that is for you. Because when you overcome something that almost broke you, you are reintroduced to a more resilient version of yourself that you probably wouldn't have brought out if you didn't go through those same experiences. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So life is about evolution, man, and, and, and being able to evolve and being open and not allowing yourself to be one-minded. You know the saying, man. A lot of people go through the fire, but very few people come out smelling like smoke, right? And so I just make sure that um, my past doesn't allow me to come out smelling like smoke, man. Mm. That's good. That's really good. Kind of looking back, would you would you change anything? Would you choose the same path? Uh, if you took to get to where you are now, do you have any type of like regrets or anything like that? Would you do it all over again the same way or would you, or would you change something? Man, that's always like a, to me, that's always like a double-edged answer because um, in hindsight, what we know now, if we knew back then, we'd definitely make some better decisions. But it's also that same thing where you could say, if I knew what I knew now and I made those decisions back then, well, what else would change, hmm. right? Would would you meet those same people? Would you have learned those same lessons? And it's like you don't know because you can go back in the past and fix some things, but it was all, it was also alter some things in the future. And so, man, um, would I go back and change anything? Um, my my mind absolutely says yes, but my heart says no because everything that you've been through, every path that you've crossed, has served a purpose. You know, it either, taught, it either taught you what to do, what not to do, what you like or what you don't like, what you can tolerate, what you won't tolerate, what you are willing to go through, what you wouldn't go through again. And I think you have to know those things and you have to go through it. So I wouldn't I wouldn't change anything, man. And and, and it's not because um, that I would go back and relive those same things. Yeah. I, don't, I, I don't want to live live some of those moments but um i also think that you know at the time it was the lessons that i needed to give me purpose to doing what i'm doing now man. Hmm. speaking from the future let's say like three to five years from now that version of the king what do you think that he would tell you today man um i would definitely say 
I'd probably say a couple of things. Um, future self would tell me today, finish, finish what you started, man. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, there are so many times where we stop something because uh, we're emotional about it or because it's not going well. Mm-hmm. When, you think, when you think about in track and field, you know, we both have a history with it. But if we would have thrown the towel after the seasons that we, you know, maybe took more losses than wins or had more injuries, uh, we wouldn't have been the two Olympic Games. And so I think when a person commits to something and you say, you know what, I want to embark this path, whether athletically, professionally, entrepreneurial, whatever it is, whatever it is that you see yourself doing, uh, commit to it all the way through because the commitment is what is going to bring out the person who you need to be for the person who you're going to become, right? And so in knowing that, man, um, whatever it is uh, that you do, I would definitely tell myself to finish it and commit to it all the way through. Because when you think about it, sugar, sugar man, how many people in this world have finished what they started all the way through? Most people stop at the frustrations because it's too tough. You know it's going to be tough. But whatever it is, finish what you started. Then once you get to that destination, you can say, you know what, this isn't working. I need to do something else. I need to reassess and maybe figure out some other things. But you won't know what you need to fix, what you need to change, what you need to maybe resurface and do different if you don't finish it all the way through. I tell my people that I mentor all this time whenever, you know, I try to get them to to act on their thoughts and to act um, on what they see inside their head. I said, I said, uh, I said, let me pose you a question, right? They're like, yeah, man, what you got? So what if for today you gain the courage to move forward with that thought by doing one thing, right? You want to write a book. What if for one day you gain the courage to write? What if for the next day you gain that same courage you had the day before and you wrote two pages? And what if you had the same courage to do that again the next day and the day after that and the day after that? And what if when you feel confident enough after all of the seven days that you've had the courage to do that one thing, what if you two weeks later or that next day decided to put what you've worked so hard into out into the world? What if you did that? What do you think would happen? And they'd say, I don't know. I said, you know, um, sometimes it's sometimes uh, this isn't a quote by me. This is this is what I heard from Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. He said, sometimes it's risky not to take a risk. And it is in that man, that that I think um, I would definitely tell my future self because I'm an idea guy, man. I'm I'm a dreamer, bro. Like, shit, I may wake up and say, yup, that's the one that I want to do. But I I know deep down inside, I'm not ready to fully commit to that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hmm. So um, whatever it is that you feel strongly about, passionately about, that you believe God called you to do, not what the world called you to do, but what you believe in your heart is what you were here to do. What if you decided to fully commit to that, despite the outcome, and to see where it can go? Because the thing about the outcome and the destination is we may have a destination in mind, and once we get there, we're like, whoa, now what? Then you need to raise the stakes and to dream a little bit bigger. The destination is always changing. The destination is inconsequential to God's plan for your life. The destination will change as you grow, as you evolve. 
but will your commitment be the same? And I would definitely tell my tell myself, man, you know, can you just whatever it is that you do, however this goes, uh, finish what you started. Finish what you started, man. And and you know, if I didn't finish what I started in track and field, I guarantee you, um, you would not be introducing me as the Olympian or the medalist or none of that. Not that not not that any of that cares with me. I'm not a material guy. I don't care about none of that. But I finished what I started in that. You know, um, you said at the beginning about the indoor thing, man. You know, being the one of the fastest uh, sprinters of all time in Canadian history to 60 meters. And I don't even like indoors. <laughs> I don't even like indoors. I do not like indoors. But I knew that I had to commit to the whole aspect of track and field if I wanted to um, see what was out there for me in the sport. And so that's a long-winded answer to say finish finish what you started. No, it's good. What if someone's out there listening to you right now and is like, well, what would be acceptable or is there an acceptable time to, if you started something, to be like, don't continue this and maybe think about doing something else? I think uh, <laughs> I think the best time to quit is at the beginning. Okay. Um, let me put it this way. Mm. If you have been, when I started speaking, if if I wasn't getting a feeling that I was adding purpose to it or adding value to it or felt that I was helping someone or giving someone intangible things that could you know possibly give them perspective and maybe change their lives i would stop and i would do something else whenever we embark on something man it does go back to the core of why do you think that you're doing it and what's the pure reason and intention behind it i have a lot of people who come to me and say they want to speak i said well what do you want to speak and he's like, well, man, i just want to make a couple of dollars on the side no problem with that but I said, you're not really going to be able to put it and make the biggest impact because you're still just focused on the money. Mm. And whenever someone says, you know, when is the right time to stop? Um, I would say the right time to stop is if you're doing something and you don't see any progress in it. If you are, if you are waking up and you're saying, oh man, this is trash. Like this is stupid. If you're not enjoying it, man, in the process of the hard times, if you're not enjoying what you're doing, if you don't feel like you're adding any purpose or adding any value to it, then maybe that's a sign that you should do something else. Maybe that's not what you should be doing, right? Before we make a big decision, there are signs that lead up to it that either say I should continue going or maybe this isn't for me. And it's different for everybody, but I think when you are in tune with what you're doing and the purpose behind it, you will be able to feel and to see if this is something that you should continue doing. But as human beings, if we, if we can see a little progress in what we're doing, then we will have the courage to continue with what we're doing. But we need to see a little bit of progress to it as well, too. Before I made any money speaking, I believed that this is what God called me to do. I wasn't 100% sure. I don't think we're ever 100% sure of anything, and you'll probably never be 100% sure of anything. But I believe that's what God called me to do. Mm. And even though I wasn't necessarily making money from it at the beginning, I knew that this was, that this was what I was called to do, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it with everything in me. I would speak right now 
every single day to every school, every corporation, every athlete if I could. But then I knew that there's certain things that you need to operate so you can have an establishment for a business to it as well, too. But I knew, I said, Akeem, can you do this one thing regardless if money was a factor? And if the answer is yes, then that's probably what you should be doing. If the answer is no, then maybe, you know, there is there is something else out there for you. Maybe that's just a little side gig. That's not truly what you're fully purposeful about. And so, man, I, I, I think um, a person will know inside their heart when they should stop or when um, they should continue going. And you got to be honest with it at the beginning, man. But I think if you're seeing progress in what you're doing, whether it's big progress or small progress, if you can see any type of progress in what you're doing, then I think you should continue going. Final question. This is a question I ask everybody, of course. And you kind of answered it. Well, we can't answer it from the, <laughs> the future version, but then I was answering from the past version, which is if you were to go back in time right now to talk to yourself, you know, maybe 20 years ago and give yourself you know, one piece of advice like a young Akeem. You can only say one thing, one thing to him. Be like, this is all you can say, <laughs> right? And he's going to carry this with him to for like forward for like the rest of his life, essentially. He's like, yeah, I was visited by my future self at one point. He said this one thing to me. What would that be? Um, oh, man, I would say in a sentence, I would say your purpose is greater than any circumstance that you find yourself in. Yeah, I would. I would leave it there, man, because everything we go through, we may not understand why it's happening, but there's a purpose for it. That's what I would say to to a young, fresh off the boat Jamaican Akeem who could not speak a lick of English. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would say, man. That's good. Akeem, where could people like find you, get in contact with you? Um, I know you have a podcast. You're you're a speaker, so how can people get in contact with you if they want to if they want to connect with you? Yeah, man. So um, on all social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, it's at underdog akh. Um, as you said, the podcast is unscripted with Akeem Haynes, um, and everything else is on the website. Uh, speaking engagements, um, consulting, all that good stuff is on www.akeeminspires.com, and you can find every everything else there. Awesome. Um, well, Akeem, and I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your words of wisdom, dropping that knowledge on us. I think it's needed, especially at a time like this. And if, if anything, I know for sure people are just going to, they're going to be blown away for sure by this episode. And I know they're going to get a lot of value from it. So, man, I, I, again, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking time out of your day to, to sit and chat with me, bro. And um, yeah, man, all the best going forward. And I know you're going to continue to kill it. So, you know, Keep, keep doing what you're doing, man, because you're inspiring people and you're changing lives. And like you said, man, it's making and it's having an impact. So, man, I, I, I appreciate it, bro, man. And, and, and like I said, man, you know, um, we our names will be synonymous together for the rest of our lives, man. So if there's anything that I can help with, I said before, man, you just got to let me know, man. It's just it's just to ask away because, you know, I. I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate what you're putting out there, man, and just the person that you are. And, you know, the one thing that I would say about Shagun, man, is, is he's a straight shooter. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if you say you're going to do something, uh, you're going to do it. And we need people like that more than ever. We got to be people of our words before. We got to be people of our actions before we can be people of our words, man, before people will take us at our words. 
And so, man, you know, from one to another, man, um, continue pressing, man. You got so much more great things to accomplish and God has something in store for you, man. And who knows, man, in a couple of years or so, we'll be doing this in the studio, in the Shagun McKende hey. studio. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, man? I'm, 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 I'm going to say it from now, so it's out there. Yeah, put it if out anybody, there. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So if anybody listening, you know, who got a little office space for my man, go ahead and hook that up. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on, bro. It's been awesome. It's been so. It's been great. Oh, it's been my pleasure, bro. It's always love. Hey, thanks so much for listening. That's it for today's episode. Um, thank you for your time. I hope you guys have a great uh, day, great afternoon, great wherever and wherever you are. For more episodes or for any details about the Inner Olympian or anything like that, you can check us out on Instagram at theinnerolympian.co. Um, also, if you like the show, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a comment, leave a review, leave five stars. I'm just saying. Um, as well, if you have any questions, comments, or anything like that that you'd like to share, feel free to send a message to support at theinnerolympian.com or send me a message on, you know, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you know, let me know what's going on and I'll see you guys next time. So until then, peace. <laughs>